Pastor Michael, it is all yours. We are excited. We've been talking a little bit about this message, and yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Amen? Amen. All right. Thanks, Pastor Brian. Okay. I tried to get you uh, chicken and ribs, but all we got was cake. <laughs> Let them eat cake. I'm just kidding. God is good. And all the time, and that is his nature. Praise God. It's the title of my message today because I'm really creative. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking that today, I was actually thinking this whole week about, uh, it wasn't that long ago, it was about five years ago that we sold our house up in Sault Ste. Marie, and we, we left our jobs, and we sold our house, and we packed up our baby. And, uh, and our toddler, and we flew over to uh, Uganda, North Uganda, and originally we were going to do missionary work, um, but uh, I wasn't going to be super involved in, in the pastoring and in the church as much as it was going to be about just kind of helping administrate and help organize some different things. We were getting involved in like the largest uh, Pentecostal evangelical church in Northern Uganda, and so I figured you know, I was just going to come in and bring some Western advice. And uh, pretty quickly after being there, uh, almost the entire pastoral leadership team quit. And uh, every, there was a major fraud and scandal and a whole bunch of people ended up resigning. And all of a sudden, I'm the lead pastor of the biggest church in northern Uganda. And I don't even speak the same language as half of the uh, congregation. We had two services. Uh, because we had to translate into two different languages. Uh, so we would do, a, uh, and each service was like two and a half hours long. So if you ever think, oh man, this guy's never going to stop talking. You don't know what not talking, not stopping talking looks like. And uh, so we would do, uh, first service would be in Luganda, and the second service would be in Swahili. And uh, some people didn't speak in either language, but they knew a little bit of all three, so they would stay for both services and try to connect the pieces. So if I went in a different direction on the second service, people would come and tell me, you know, I really got the first half, but the second half made no sense. And uh, I remember, you know, they would do sing worship songs and praise songs, and the songs would be in Luganda, and then there'd be a song in Lugbara, and then there'd be a song in Swahili, and... And we would try to learn the songs, and I had an associate pastor beside me named Peter who would tell me what the song was about, and he would, he would try to translate it so I knew I wasn't singing sweet heresies and blasphemies. And uh, he would explain it all. And, uh, and But every once in a while, they would sing an English song. They would sing an old hymn like Alpha and Omega, or they would sing um, uh, old Chris Tomlin songs, like that was the modern song all of a sudden. And uh, they would just, and we would, we would hear these little familiar remindings of ministry in Canada. And I remember growing up, we would always say, God is good, and everybody would respond with all the time. And I remember the one day somebody got up and he said, God is good. And I said, I know what to do. I said, all the time. And then they went, all the time. I went, God is good. And I said, oh, I know. I feel like for the first time I'm connected with the church I'm pastoring and we're all on the same page here. And then all of a sudden, all of the people went, and that is his nature. And then all of the young people went, wow. <laughs> and I realized that everybody did it except for us. So all of a sudden there was, we were, there was something that in Africa they had captured that we hadn't had on this side. We said God is good. We said he was good all the time. But in Uganda, they would shout, and that was his nature. And they would all say, 
wow. And I remember it was really interesting to me when I heard that because every Sunday we would do praise reports. So someone would get up and we would say, who's got a praise report? Who's got a testimony of what God's done in their life this week? And I still remember, I'll never forget, it was a young lady and she was in, from South Sudan because we were right on the South Sudan border. And she grabbed the mic and she said, praise God, which is the way you always greet the church. And in Uganda, they say, praise God. And everybody says, amen. And so she, praise God. Amen. And she goes, I want to praise God for how good he is to my life. And they're doing the interpreter. So then they go back and forth. And she goes, uh, I fled my home in South Sudan. The, the rebels blew up our home. And I'm sitting there going, okay, well, that's not good, right? And then she's like, and, and my whole family, we left, and we, we, some of us went towards Congo, and some of us came to Uganda, and we got separated, so I don't know where my parents are. I think they're in Congo somewhere, but I don't know. And the people I was with, they got killed when we were coming here, but I made it to the border, and God is so good, and I want to testify. And everybody clapped. And I remember when that happened, I was depressed because that was the praise report. And I remember thinking, and it was 30 seconds after we had all just talked about how good God is, and I remember having a real internal conflict about how we could talk about how good God is, and at the exact same time talk about how much suffering and how much sadness and how much troubles and how much struggles that we were going through, and yet to stand up in the face of all of that and say that God was good and I remember I really struggled with that for a long time because I always thought, uh, you know, especially as an, uh, you know, growing up in the church and we're a faith-filled church and we really believe that, that, you know, when you're obedient, it brings a blessing. That's what the word says. And, and when you do what God says, that the hand of God is over your life and that favor will follow you all the days of your life and we stand on the word and we declare it. But there are times in life when the things around us don't look like that. Are you with me, church? Am I talking to myself? And there are times when we ask ourselves, if God was good, then why X, right? If God is good, then why am I going through this? If God was good, then why is this happening? If God was really good, then why would he allow me to go through this kind of thing. And uh, it was even, uh, it was actually, it was really funny because um, we, were, we were just in Newfoundland. We had one week to find a house, uh, including travel time. And uh, we had a realtor lined up. And so when we showed up, he had 13 houses for us to look at. And uh, as soon as we walk into one, we go, we like this one. He goes, well, this one's under sale, under condition. So you might not get this one. Then we walk in another one that we're real hopeful for. And as soon as we walk in, the whole floor would sag. And you're like, okay, we don't want this one, right? Like, this looks real nice outside, like lipstick on a pig, right? Like, it looks real good. You walk in, you're like, this house is junk. And uh, we kind of go into these different houses. And we found this one house that we really liked. Really liked this one house. And they said, well, there's someone trying to buy it, but they have a condition to sell. We don't know if they're going to be able to sell it. So if you want to put an offer in, you can, but it's going to be three days. They have three days to drop the conditions. Well, I start doing the math in my head, and I realize that brings us to Tuesday afternoon, and we're flying out Wednesday morning. And you can't really do nothing else once you put an offer in on a place. You just kind of got to sit there and wait, right? And uh, so I'm kind of like, oh, I don't want to put an offer in on this one because, you know, I don't want to get stuck, and at the last second, we lose it, and then we're 
you know, we're, we're down the creek, right? And, uh, but we just kept on looking at all these houses. I'm like, this is the best one. It's the best one. And we go to, um, we go to a little music festival and there's these guys playing Irish music and there's these guys on the table beside me. And, and I start talking to him. He lives just down the road from this house. And I go, oh, and all of a sudden he's my like new best buddy, my new best buddy, Bobby. Right. And he's telling me, oh, I live, I live, I walk past that house every single day. I'm like, Lord, is this you? Is this you telling me about this house? Like, is this ours? And, uh, and then I'm like, where do you work? He goes, oh, I work over here at the Coast Guard. I go, where's that? He goes, where do you, and he goes, oh, I work right next to you where you're going to be working. And I go, oh, we're going to be work neighbors. He goes, yeah, we'll be work neighbors. He goes, and actually the house that you're looking at buying, I walk past it every day. It's just a corner away from my place. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. He goes, yeah, we can even carpool in the morning. I'm like, oh, like it's amazing, you know? And so we put this offer in on this house and me and Alva are like, we got it. You know, the Lord's hand is upon us. The favor's there. We're meeting everybody. Guess what happens at the very last hour on Tuesday night? The people drop their conditions and they're buying the house and you guys are down the creek. Okay? And we're like, we got to fly out tomorrow morning and we are homeless and we've been here for a whole week, like, looking at houses and we got nothing. And I remember I, I texted my mom and it was actually really embarrassing because I, I said to her, I said, they dropped the conditions which means that they got the house. But my mom heard it as they walked away from it and you won. So I went, they dropped the conditions and then she went, congratulations, woo, with a bunch of balloons. Which was really awkward for me because I'm like, no, it means we don't have a house. Congratulations on your homelessness, right? And so I, uh, I, uh, and she goes, God has something better for you then. How many times have we heard that? And afterwards we always go, Yes, he did. But in the moment, nobody wants to hear that because everybody just wants, let me just sit on my island of pity and feel bad and throw my hands up. Are you there, God? Do you see what's happening to us? And sure enough, the same day that uh, uh, the house that we wanted, we got bumped the same day. Uh, a brand new construction, a new house was built. And whatever reason, the guy who built this house, which was like tailor-made for us, even finished the basement, everything, the guy walked away from it. And the builder called my agent and said, here's our number. And the banker said, you're good to go. And so we bought a brand new house just around the corner from that one. And uh, it's, there's nothing to do but... Fill it, amen. God is good. In Psalm 145, there's a song of praise to the Lord that David's writing, and, and it's, he just goes on and on about the greatness of God. And in Psalm 145, I'd love for you to spend some time this week just reading the whole Psalms, but I'll just focus on a couple of verses. In 5 to 7, David writes, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And I started reading that. And, you know, it's really funny as one time I was test driving a truck, a pickup truck. I really liked it. I won't say what it was, but it rhymes with Misan Gruntier. And I was test driving it, and I brought Callum along with me, and he's in the back seat. And he goes, Dad, is this a good truck? And I said, this isn't a good truck, Callum. This is a great truck. <laughs> and he caught that. So every single day, I go, how was your day, buddy? And he goes, it wasn't good. It was great. 
and it's kind of annoying now because now we never know if it's something's actually not good or not. Um, but it was really funny because a lot of times we'll say, it's not good, it's great. But when David is talking about God, he talks about God and his greatness. And in the same moment, he talks about God and his goodness. And you know, a lot of times we look at good and great and we contradict them. We go, it's not good, it's great. But what's very interesting is that God, in his greatness, is an abundance of goodness. You know, you could almost say, like, God's so great. He's the king. He's the judge. He's the ruler of everything. But he's also so good that he is your friend, and he is your father, and he's an advocate, and he sent his son to die for you. And, and it's hard for us as humans to reconcile that both the fullness of greatness and the abundance of goodness can walk hand in hand in our, in our Father God. And, and, and I love in James 1, if anybody knows me, they know that James is my favorite book in the Bible. And uh, in verse 16, James writes this, and we're going to talk about this for the next 25 minutes or so. So James 1, 16, 17 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. That means I'm talking to the church, I'm talking to my fellow Christians. Do not be deceived, fellow Christians. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Other manuscripts actually say that there's no shadow due to turning. And um, well, I wanna talk about that because this really taught me a lot about the goodness of God and how we reconcile that even in the hard moments in our life when it feels like there's no way. Firstly, what I wanna point out is that he starts off talking about God's goodness and the good gifts by saying, do not be deceived. And he's talking to Christians. Well, if someone says, do not be deceived, and he's talking to Christians, what he's saying is, is this is something that could deceive you, <laughs> right? And, and so I'm thinking about, well, what's, what is the great deception around that every good and perfect gift comes from above and that in him there is no uh, uh, variations or shadow of turning? Like, what is the deception? And, and I've been praying about it and studying, and I think the first deception is that uh, all the good things come because of us. Oh, he's got good karma. He's got a good universe. The stars were such a way when he was born. It was raining and the wind was blowing. And, or he just got lucky or he's the seventh son of the seventh son or he just knows all the right people or oh, you know who his father's father was. And, and we have all these different things where we start to think that maybe the reason why someone having all these good things happen to him is they just got a horseshoe. Right? They got the rabbit's foot. They got the, you know, they, their, their dad knew all the right people. He bought the Bitcoin when it was 30 cents. Right? And now everything good. Oh, that always happens to Jimmy. Everything happens to Jimmy. Jimmy wins every single thing. I got, I got one guy at work, and he spends a lot of money on lottery tickets. And he'll tell me for 10 seconds about the money he lost, and then he'll tell me about the one guy who won the same lottery five times, and we don't know this guy from Adam, but I'm telling you, he wants to strangle this guy, because how does that guy win the same lottery five times, right? What's the first deception? It's that the good and perfect thing sometimes that we think, we think that we got it on our own merit. Well, I made the right choices, I went to the right school, I did the right this, I did the right that, you know, in Psalms 14, what's the Bible say? It says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. 
says that's foolish. It is foolish to remove God from the calculations and the conclusions that we draw based on the outcomes of the things that we do. What you're doing in that moment is that you're basically putting yourself on the throne and saying that, well, I did the right things, and so I've reaped the right things because of what I did. And it's like, well, my friend, you were only able to do that because God allowed you to be able to do that because he allowed you to exist because he allowed the world that you live in to line up in such a way because he allowed this and that and other thing. And for you to all of a sudden think that you are the king of your own universe and that the good things are all because of what you're doing is a pride. And it's a deception. And what it does is it removes our leaning, and it removes our, in, in all things, uh, uh, trust in him, right? Lean not on your own understanding, but in every way acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Are you with me, church? I had to remember it for a second. Proverbs 19, 21, what does it say? Many are the plans in the mind of the man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that stands. The first deception is that the good and perfect things that come are because of your wisdom and your wit and your good looks and your cool friends and your nice car and your big house and what side of the street you grew up on. Are you with me? It is a deception. Bible says that he is no respecter of persons. And yes, sometimes we respect ourselves and we respect the people around us and figure, well, because of that, they got that. Well, if that's the case, then what is God's goodness? Because clearly you don't need it because you've got it all figured out on yourself. Are you with me, church? All right. As long as I'm not talking to myself here. And, uh, you know, it was so funny. I was, I was thinking about it early this morning. I woke up. I usually always wake up stressed out Sunday mornings when I have to preach. And I always wake up really early and, and try to find a quiet place where I don't wake up all the kids and add to my stress. And so I, 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 uh, I was sitting there thinking about it. And uh, I felt like God was really talking to me. And he was like, you are not smart enough to have made it this far. Because <laughs> that's how God talks to me. Because that's how I receive things. He's like, you're not smart enough to have done all of this. You're not, like, listen, guys, I'm a college dropout. Are you with me? I'm a college dropout. I, I never had nothing really majorly given to me when we got married. One side of the family paid for the food, and the other side bought our bedroom furniture. And after that, it was a nice butt out to kick out the door and figure it out. You know, and, and, and I start, I'm, start, and I'm, I'm praying with God and God goes, you're not smart enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not connected enough. You don't have anything to make sense for why you are here today where you are, except for my goodness. That's how God talks to me. Cause I, I don't, I don't, he knows that I don't, uh, I listen to him firmly <laughs> and I need it straight. I don't like to overcomplicate stuff. And I started thinking about it. it is God's goodness, which has gotten us where we are. It's God's goodness that I've been able to have my wife stay home for 10 years, that I've been able to pastor here at this church. It's God's goodness that I've been, I've been, uh, had favor in the government. You know, the Bible talks about having favor with God and man, and I've seen Joseph-like favor on my life, and it's not because of anything else I've had, but it's other than God's goodness. Are you with me? And the moment that I forget that is the moment I put myself into a great level of jeopardy. Why? Because the Bible says that, 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 that the pride cometh before a fall. Amen. And I don't want to have a fall in my life because of that. So first deception, the good things come because it's just you, baby. You're doing all the right things and everything's coming up Quinlan, right? Great deception. <laughs> Second deception is the opposite. 
You ever have the people who walk around and they go, oh, nothing ever good happens to me. Everybody else has got everything going on, and it's just kick me while I'm down every day. Listen, guys, I've said it so many times to my wife. I'm, I'm, not, I'm preaching myself here. I've said it before. I just, when am I going to get a break? You know what I mean? I, I've said this before. Who, who's going to help me? I'm helping everybody else. Who's going to help me out? Are you, am I alone here? I've said the same thing. I've said it over and over again. I am by myself on this island. I'm figuring it out on my own. Everybody wants something from me. I got, nobody's helping me out with nothing. And, uh, I've, and, I, and you start thinking, God's mad at me. God doesn't love me anymore. I've done something which has blown it to the point where God no longer wants to be good to me anymore. Are you with me? That's a, that's a deception, because the deception is, is that you have now done something which has changed the very nature and character of God, and in that, it is the exact same root of the other one, which is pride, because pride says that all of the good things come because of what I've done, but pride also says that all of the bad things are happening because of what I've done. Well, listen, if you think that because of what you've done that you are going to super trump God's ability to be good to you because you had this happen or you had that happen or all this stuff, you've basically said that I am greater and, more, and, and higher than the sovereignty of God in my life. Are you with me? Listen, the Bible says what? It says that he causeth the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. What does that mean? It means that if it's raining, it might not be because you are unjust. <laughs> or it might be that you are just and it's still raining on you because sometimes the storms of life still blow regardless of what's going on. Listen, the disciples are on a ship with Jesus in the boat and they went through troubled waters. But sometimes we think we're going through troubled waters because we blew it when we put the sails up or we didn't pack the right thing or we built the boat wrong or we didn't really know what we were doing and now we're going through a trouble. Listen, the Bible says in this world you will have troubles. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. What is that? He didn't say, for you have overcome the world. He said, I overcame the world, being the Lord, not Pastor Mike. <laughs> I have overcome the world. Why? Because you really don't have that much, you really don't have that much power to go ahead and turn God around from his own nature and his own goodness. Matthew 5, 45, what does it say? It says, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. The first deception is that if good things are happening, it's because I'm doing all the right things all the time. I'm lucky. I got good karma. My chakras are all lined up. I rubbed my crystal stone before I walked out in the morning, okay? All right, with me, all the crazy whatever things, okay? But the bad thing is, oh, you know what? Uh, nothing ever good happens to me. God blesses everybody else around me, but he never remembers me. Never does da, 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 da. And you go down, and you are a, a, a pity party of one. Nobody else got the invitation. Are you with me? Do not be deceived. Why? Because in both of those deceptions, you have minimized God's goodness. You have minimized the character of God in his friendship. You've minimized the character of God in his not respecting people. You've minimized the character of God in his abundance and his grace for you. My second point is that it talks about that in him, there's no variation. 
or shadow of turning. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, Paul's writing, and he says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You know what that means? It means that your ability to be faithful to God in no way impacts his character to be faithful to you. Isn't that a good thing? Because if God's faithfulness was dependent on my ability to be faithful, I'm not going to be in a great position in heaven. Are you with me, church? But his faithfulness, what does the Bible say? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because if he was coming to die for people who were all righteous, we wouldn't really need him. Bible says that our righteousness is of dirty rags. So what does that mean? It means that if he becomes unfaithful to us because we were unfaithful to him, it denies himself. It denies himself of his possession, which is his children. It denies himself of his bride, which is the church. It denies himself of his character, which is as a loving friend and father. He cannot stop being faithful to us when we blow it through our unfaithfulness as humans. Are you with me? But the human condition says, I blew it, and now God does not love me. Are you with me? And it's like, hey, you're not that important. Isn't that, that's, that's not me being mean. That should be a release of grace. Is that it turns out that when God planned his purpose for my life, he already knew all the times I was going to blow it. And he still bothered making me anyways. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He didn't say, I knew all of the good things that you were going to do. It says, I knew you. Well, if he knows me, then he knows the things I'm going to blow it on. And so it says, I have plans and purposes for you for future and for hope. Well, if all of that is true and yet you know me, then you know all my flaws. Well, guess what? His undying love for me is not dependent and hinged upon my perfect faithfulness towards him. Because if that was the case, then we both would have the same level of faithfulness. But God's faithfulness and his goodness and his greatness and his sovereignty and his perfection in every way is such that he is not on our level when it comes to the quid pro quo. Are you with me? I can't give him something and say, now you give it back. Because it turns out that when he saved the Israelites, they weren't giving him nothing. And yet he said, I have a covenant with you. And it turns out that, that when he saved David and he said, he's a man after my own heart, he knew that David was going to blow it. It turns out that when he, when he gave Solomon all of the wisdom and all of the, all of the blessings of his father, that Solomon still was going to have depression and he was still going to have struggles with women. And, and it turns out that when God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, he knew that Jonah was going to say no and he was going to send a whale and they're going to have to have this great reconciliation. And even after the fact when Jonah is on the hill he's still mad about the people he's doing ministry with and yet God still chose Jonah why because God does not pick you based on what you can give back to him he picks you based on his fulfillment of the purpose that he has set out for your life and the great purpose is that God wins 
God's goodness is found in the fact that no matter what we do, that he is calling us and that he is drawing us. And for those who are called according to his purpose, he causeth all things to work together for our good, Romans 8.28. Are you with me, church? He, it turns out that when God calls us, our job is to be obedient. And, and so when we do that, we start to go, well, I, I'm being obedient, but how come stuff isn't happening for me? And we start to question, well, if God is good and I'm being obedient, then how come I'm just not being rained on in all the abundance and blessings and everything good is always happening? Are you with me, church? You know, I was talking to Pastor Brian about it on the phone, and uh, I was saying that, uh, you know, these guys, they, they, get up on the, they get up on the stage to accept an award, well, they always say, I want to thank my wife. I want to thank my, my producer. I want to thank my manager. But first day, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blah, 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 blah. And you go, great. Everybody's going to do that when you're winning the award. <laughs> right? Really easy to thank Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when you're winning the award. And it's like, but what about when you're going through the struggles? Are you thanking the Lord in the struggles? Are you thanking him when you're not holding the award? Are you thanking him when someone else is holding the award? Uh, I was talking to Mark, uh, Mark Davey from Global Harvest Ministries. I, I still am doing ministry with him. Our church is still partnered with Global Harvest. And, and I was talking to him about doing my message. He's on the road in Northern Ontario preaching. And I told him I was preaching a Sunday. And we were talking about uh, James 1.16, 1, 1.17. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm really studying out this no shadow of turning. And, and how, you know, there's... Um, the shadow of turning, what does it mean? It means like if I go ahead and, and turn my body in such a way that a shadow is cast based on where I'm standing. And I said to him, you know, I, the way I really think about it when I'm reading commentaries and stuff, and it's like, well, God doesn't cast a shadow because from him is where the light comes from, right? And I said, so there is no shadow because he's not contingent upon something else hitting him. He is the one who's rating out the sun. And he, he said, yeah, that's true. He goes, but you know, when he talked about the shadow of turning, he was giving a practical example because a lot of them would use sundials. And they would use sundials to tell the time. And so the shadow of turning indicated what time of day it was. When the sun was over here, it would hit a shadow this way, and they would know if the, it's this way, it's X time. But there was a certain point in time when there was no shadow of turning. And that was in the midday sun. That was when the sun was at its highest point, at its highest position, when it was looking down completely on people's tops of their heads, and the sun was coming directly down, and that in that moment, there was no shadow to be cast, because it was coming directly down the sundial. When it says that there's no shadow of turning, what it means is he is not moving through time of a day. It means that he is always at his highest position, in the day of the believer. It means that he is always at the highest place emitting a, a, a knowledge and an awareness and a goodness and a greatness on everything that's going on. And there's, there's no change in the time. What does it say? We just learned about it before. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's because he is the midday sun that is sitting at the highest position. And that when we look at the clock, well, what time is it? Well, it turns out the time is not changed since two hours ago. And it's not changed two more hours ago. It's not going to change in two hours because there is no shadow being cast because he is at the highest, utmost place. Are you with me? 
There is no shadow of turning. There is no variation. We cannot do something that will stop God's character of loving us. You know, there's faith that comes in God's goodness. The faith that's required to stand upon the promise of God's goodness is always a testimony. But oftentimes we talk about God's goodness on the side of victory. We say, and he had a better house for me. And we all clap and say, praise God. We say, I won the award. I want to thank you. And we say, praise God. But there is a testimony found in the faith on God's goodness when it's not fully realized in the moment. Are you with me? And I realize that there are times in my life when I've gone through things and I've thought to myself, what is good about this? And what I've realized is that there was faith that was required to stand on God's promises in the face of adversity, which became a testimony for other people that in that I might not have ever seen the good that I was hoping for come out of my situation, but the good that God was causing to work out of it was that the faith that we had to stand on God's promises in adversity became a testimony for other people who were facing something difficult. Are you with me? We, uh, my very first time going to Africa, I, and uh, I've shared this a few times before. My very first time going to Africa, we had, we had one young child at home, and, and I flew to Africa. We were going to Uganda. Actually, I think it was my second time going, and we were going, I was going there by myself. Elva was pregnant at home, and I went with the goal to find our calling in Uganda. I said, we're going to find our job. We're going to find our responsibilities. We're going to do everything. And we went, I preached my first crusade preaching. We had like 10,000, 12,000 people preaching. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing salvations. Me and Mark are, are tag teaming, preaching, and doing all this evangelism. And it was like the day before we left, and I found out that we had lost our child. And I remember thinking, why would God do that to me when I'm doing this for him? I just left my wife. I left my house. I came to Africa, I, I pretty much self-funded most of the stuff, I took time from work, I'm doing all this stuff, and we lose this child, and I'm thinking, if God was good, why did this happen? Are you with me? And I remember we had to look at each other and say, what are we going to do about this? We had already set up the crib, we had set up the nursery, we had everything ready to go, and I remember God put on our hearts to start fostering newborns. And we did. We were the fastest people I think Children's Aid ever got through because nobody else wanted newborns. And so we got like trained in like 30 seconds, it felt like. And the day we got trained, that morning, we had a baby come straight from the hospital. Born that day, the night before. And uh, I realized that in that moment, I was searching for God's goodness to me. But it turns out that God's goodness is such and that his greatness is such that he uses us to portray his goodness because he is glorified when his people do his work and his purpose. And you know what's really interesting is that I was looking at where is God's goodness to me in that moment. But it turns out that in that time, 
we were able to touch the lives of babies and we were able to touch the lives of families and then we were able to minister to other people who were going through child loss and we were able to do this and it turns out that God's goodness isn't what I was hoping for, but God's goodness is exactly what was required for me to live out the life that he wanted me and my wife and my family to live out. Why? To go give God glory in difficult situations. Why? Because sometimes we think God's goodness is just the good things that happen to us. But really, God's goodness is his outpouring of love for people and for his using of people who even in difficult situations are able to show God's goodness to others. Why? Because there is a greater testimony of the faith that is found in the midst of the struggle than there is in the testimony up on the stage on the other side of the thing. Are you with me, church? Sometimes we stand on top of the mountain and tell people of the testimony. But there are other times when we stand in the middle of the valley and we think, what is the testimony in this? Maybe the testimony is that you are still praising God like Paul and Silas when they were in the jail. Listen, they weren't praising God in the jail to get out. They were praising God because they knew that they were in God's will and God's purpose for their life. And if it meant being in the jail in that moment, they we're going to continue to praise God. Why? Because God's goodness is such that even in the prison, he was able to use them for his good purpose and will. And what happens, it says that the prison walls shaked and the walls were opened up. And it says that the jailer and the family got saved. The goodness for us would have been, get me out of this prison. But the goodness for God was, I have a family of jailers that need to know about Jesus. And I'm going to use these people in a bad situation to to pour out my love for people that would never have heard if I wasn't putting them in that spot. And sometimes we think God is good when I'm getting good things. The Bible says to deny yourself and follow him. The Bible says to, I've been crucified with Christ. The Bible says that I must decrease that he may increase. Sometimes we try to reconcile God's goodness with the things that we are being given. But it turns out God's goodness is found in the love that he has for you and I and the people around us. It's quiet. Make me nervous. Philippians 4, Paul's writing. I want to give you some context. Paul's in prison when he's writing Philippians, the letter to Philippians. He's in jail. Okay? We're all on the same page? He's not in his 50,000 square foot mansion with his jets and his best friends and everybody telling him how great he is. Okay? He's in jail. And he writes, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I love taking, when I was a kid, I put Philippians 4.13 on like my shoes when I would go do a track marathon and be like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so then I just wouldn't train and I wouldn't stretch. And then I would get major cramps and I would finish dead last. And then I would say, why well, God, have you forsaken me, right? I'm just relax a little bit. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He writes about going through the hard times when you're on the path that God has for you. I can do all things through Christ. Well, what are those all things, Paul, that you're talking about? I can praise God in the prison because I can do all things. 
I can praise God in the shipwreck. I can do all things. I can praise God when my friends have abandoned me. I can praise God when Christians don't believe my good intentions or, or whatever. I'm talking about Paul here with going through when he was coming through into the faith of Christ. I, I, can, I can do all things through God when people remind of, remember me before I was saved and all the things I did back then. I can do all things. I can worship God in the valleys. I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. I want to close with this. I wrote this down. Don't forget the days of feasts when you're in the weeks of famine. Don't forget God's goodness when walking through life's disappointments. You know, in Joshua 4, I'm not going to read it all out, Sarah. I'm just going to say it. In Joshua 4, they cross the Red Sea. And Joshua takes one man of each tribe. He has 12 men. And he says, Get a stone and bring it over, and we're going to build up this memorial. And they say, what's the memorial for? And he says, when your children and your children's children ask, what is the memorial for? We can tell them about what God did for us to cross the river, the Red Sea. Are you with me? David, or sorry, Samuel did a very similar thing. It says that when, when the Lord thundered voice and, it, and it, it terrified the Philistines and the Israelites went out and conquered the Philistines, it says, and David took for, or sorry, and Samuel took for himself a stone and he placed it there and he called that place Ebenezer and said, for surely God has brought us this far. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a promise fulfilled becomes a tree of life. God's goodness is such that it's so easy for us in our human condition to when we go through the hard times and we go through the valleys, we ask God, where are you? But as Christians, one of the most important things that we need to do, and Pastor Brian was talking about it before the message where he said, don't fail to record these things. Don't forget to build memorials in your life for the time that God showed his goodness to you. Don't forget to build statues in your life for the times that you thought everything was falling down around you and then re afterwards you realized that God was doing something so sophisticated and so smart and so much further up view than what you have and so much greater in knowing all the peripherals and so much better and, 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 and all things omnipotent and omniscient and all of these different things that you don't go ahead and for remember what happened. Don't forget when God was good. Because there are times when you get into a valley and you forget about the mountains that he brought low for you. There are times when you go through the hot, hot days and you're sweating and you're tired and you forget about the furnaces he brought you through. There are times when you feel like your back is against the wall and the monsters are moving in and you forget the times that you were in a den of lions and you were slept, sleeping and you were restored in the morning. Listen, Daniel could have said to himself, if God was so good and I'm doing all the right things, why do I find myself in a den full of lions? I'm sure he could have been thinking that to himself. But listen, if he did not go into the den of lions, King Darius would not have seen the power of God the next morning. 
But sometimes we forget in the middle of the night God's goodness and we think this is the end. The goodness of God and the greatness of God is such that he causes all things to work together for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That is you and me, church. He calls us, he qualifies us, he takes us, and regardless of our situations and our attitudes, he is able to use us for his great purpose because we know that at the end of day, God wins. And we get to be a part and participate with God's winning over the, the spirits and principalities and abominations and all those different things that we're going through. The only thing that we have to do is keep going. Paul said, forgetting all that lies behind, I continue on to the prize that is Christ Jesus. The goodness of God is that when you keep going, his greatness and his goodness is such that on the other side of eternity, we will look back and there will be so much things we never knew what was happening. The goodness of God is not found just in the days that we say are good, but it's in the days that God continues to be good, which is every day because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His goodness is upon us. Romans 8, 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you stand with me, church? I want to pray with you. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Brian. Heavenly Father, I thank you for I-9 Church. I thank you for the households and the families here. I thank you for the community of believers which are here, Lord. I thank you that you call to remembrance to our, our minds all of the days that you have been faithful. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. In every breath that I am able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. In the mountains and in the valleys, Lord, may we continue to sing of your goodness. May we continue to sing of your greatness, Lord, because there is nothing in this life, in mine or, or anybody else's, that is able to knock you off of your throne. As your word says, to put not your faith in princes or in chariots, Lord, we put our faith and trust and hope in you, Lord. We thank you with, with an outpouring of faith. We thank you with an outpouring of hope that no matter what situation the people here today are walking through, Lord, that you will be glorified, that we might decrease, that you may increase, that our lives might be a vessel and might only be a mirror of the shining light, as your word says, that you are the Father of lights, and from you every good and every perfect gift flows, Lord. We thank you that you are causing us and using us to be an outflowing of the good and perfect gifts. Lord, may people see our lives and know of your goodness. Lord, may the world know you by the love that we have, especially the love that we have one for another. Lord, we give you the glory, the honor, the praise. We ask for a special blessing for each person here. We thank you that you are Alpha and Omega. You are the head and not the tail, that you causeth our cup to runneth over, that you Get, uh, bring abundance and no lack in every area of our life. We thank you that there is no sickness in our midst, Lord, and we thank you that you causeth us to fulfill our destinies in this lifetime. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and if you believe that today, everyone says in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Pastor Brian.
Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Michael. <laughs> the goodness of God and being reminded of it is, a, is an amazing concept that we need to make sure that we apply into our everyday lives. Amen. Amen. Uh, I just want to just let you guys be aware. I said, you know, we're going to have out in the foyer as we dismiss today. We have some just time of fellowship, right? You know, Pastor Michael is part of our family and part of our family, you know, is moving away, uh, you know, to on another adventure. But we just want to go out and have a chance to just uh, chat with them and celebrate with them on, on this new venture. So just take a moment and go on out there. Make sure you get your kids. But I just want to let you guys know, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And I'll see you guys out in the foyers in just a moment. All right? Amen. Everybody. Welcome to the After 9 Show. It's weird today because I don't have the earpiece. Pastor Brian does. Uh, my name is Sarah Quinlan and this is Pastor Brian Travail. And we are here today and we are talking about the message from Sunday, October 29th, 2023 by Pastor That's Michael. Today. That's today. Yeah. By Pastor Michael called and that is his nature. Which if you, yeah. Thank you, Pastor Steven. Appreciate the support. If you know um, Pastor Michael's, I don't want to say mantra, but his pre like his opener is usually his catchphrase yeah Yeah. he will say god is good all the time and all the time is that his nature no pastor brian (laughs) i'm I'm getting a little little ahead of myself pastor um i didn't uh, have my coffee yet he said god is good all the time all All the time time, god God is is good good. and that is his nature his nature yes i thought that's what i said you 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 missed a god is good oh that's okay it's okay. I missed one. So that was Pastor Michael's. I, I, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I forgive you. <laughs> that is Pastor Michael. I'm Michael's. still loved. Yeah. His like little, mon- I, I keep saying mantra. Catchphrase. 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 Before service, it's he would okay. start that. See, we're even now. And he trained up our congregation to say that when he would come. That's an eye for an eye in the Old yeah, Testament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so what he talked about today was, and that is his nature, was the, um, there's so many little facets to it, but focusing on what the identity of Christ, the identity of God is, and the nature of God in how he relates to us and uh, how sometimes we can get deceived in certain areas that causes us to understand what his nature is, which he says that like, if you're faithless, he still remains faithful, right? Yeah. God doesn't love you, doesn't care for you based on how you're feeling or, or how, how you're, you're acting. acting. Yeah. 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 That would go against his nature. It would be. Right? That's correct. You know, and, and there's so many facets and nuggets that you could unpack here. Um, but I think uh, one of the, the greatest ones uh, he, he started out talking about was, um, you know, it's really because we don't know God's nature that we struggle with it. Yes. Right? And uh, if we really understood just how unconditional God's love is, yeah. we probably wouldn't struggle with being loved. Yeah, it's true. uh, Many people do struggle with being loved because they've got God in this in this box of contexts and conditions that really don't apply at all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When it comes to God's mentality, now God loves us to be obedient. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, He wants us to do it because He knows that it'll go well for us, right? Not because He's trying to uh, control us or be the master puppeteer. Yes. Um, But you know, I think a lot of us really don't grasp the true loving nature and the genuine goodness of God. Yes. And, and, and I love the way he break, broke down the greatness and the goodness. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I think we, that we delineate between good and greatness, but you know, goodness of God is unlimited. It's, it's like 
beyond our imagination, yeah. which really will describe goodness as greatness sometimes, yeah. especially when we're talking about God. Right. I like that. And you know something you, you, you said about how, you know, if we really knew the nature of God, that we would never struggle with feeling love, right? Yeah. And something we talked about at Youth on Friday, actually, was we're, we've been talking about um, my sheep know my voice mm. and yeah blah 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 <laughs> so pastor Stephen, yeah pastor Stephen did a really cool analogy where he recorded a few of us before service saying that verse and then the kids said oh i know that that's uh gordon i know that that's sarah that's tally and um we were quick to recognize the voices because we knew Familiar. who the people were Familiar, and that's yeah. what pastor Stephen said is how do how do we know these voices and the kids were like well because we know the people so i think it comes hand in hand with this too is if we really truly know the nature of god then all of these things like you know it even says a fool ha says in his heart there is no god like that's the first deception the enemy's going to try to throw at you it's like if you know god's nature you would never even even darken that thought that there is no God because you know that God is everything to us. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. He gave us his son. He's our, our righteousness in Christ Jesus. He gives everything, right? But doubting that is where everything would start when, when the deception comes in and the lies come in that we're not, like Pastor Michael talked about, uh, we think that because, oh, we, um, I messed up, so now I'm not gonna get anything good. Yeah. Blah, 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 you know, which it doesn't work that way because we're not that powerful. <laughs> which kind of was my next nugget yeah, was go. he talked about uh god not cast casting a shadow oh yeah and when you think about shadow i think of a dark side yeah you know and it it means that the sun hasn't penetrated it yeah. but god doesn't cast a shadow he's he's you know omniscient omnipresent yeah but he's always at the highest point yeah i like that you know i really like the point that god is always going to think high of us yeah we don't think high of ourselves yeah and again that's that nature of not knowing yeah. but god is always at his highest point and uh you know it can never be any higher yes. and it can never come lower right it, it never changes it, it's the same yesterday today and forever exactly it's just like that i can't i can't put that in the proper english terms you know yeah. and and to really just visualize that is is really hard i think for yeah. us yeah and i think i think that some some things even uh, as pastor michael was touching on disappointments i think that some things in life um i think we we pay more attention to it because mm. it's more important for us you know and and i read this thing by this quote by elizabeth elliott i'm gonna butcher it but basically she was saying like i cried out to god with longing in my heart and i said god either give me this longing or take this away and he said, I'm leaving this for you until you can learn to crave something better. And I feel like when we were, when he was touching on disappointments and, you know, why isn't God coming through for me and this and this and this and this? It's like sometimes maybe he's just reminding you, like, this needs to not be the thing that's ruining everything for you. Well, right? yeah. And, and uh, I think I touched on in the pre-show and I think this is really where God is at work and we just don't see it. Um, there was a young woman, and I and, and I think it was it was on Lisa Turquist Lisa Turquist's ministry, oh, but okay. it wasn't her. Okay. Um, and I forget her name, unfortunately. It's okay. Uh, it's been one of those mornings, but yeah. <laughs> my point in it is, she was talking about how there was a group of kids from youth group right on, and uh, some of them started seeing, uh, you know, them getting married, and then all of a sudden she's the last one in the group, and it's 20, 20 years later, and she finally meets her husband. And they get married and she goes like god gave her a revelation and she had said to god she really asked god why did it take me two decades when it only took them two yeah. years and some some only two months yeah and he said 
would you rather have faith of two years or faith of 20 years? Yeah. Which one's stronger and yeah. which one is more meaningful and rewarding? And I think that is like what we have to understand is God's always at work. Yes. And, you know, he said, uh, you know, when he was talking about his house that they even got a better house because one got turned down. Through. And, you know, I mean, Pastor Rick said it for years, a no means a bigger yes in yeah. God's economy. Yes. But we don't grasp that God could be up to something greater and better when we're right. in the in the fire of the storm sometimes. That's right. And I think a lot of it, too, comes down to um, shaping and molding, kind of like the faith, you know, the faith yeah. element. And, and where our minds are, eh? Our yeah. perceptions and even expectations are playing yeah. a huge role in that. Yeah, because, you know, there's always that question, and Pastor Sherry shares this a lot, where if A, B, C, D doesn't happen, are you still going to serve God? Yeah. Are you still going to love God? Are all of these things, like, contingent on whether or not you love God, like, because that's not how God works for us, right? Yes. Like, God gives us love. He gives us um, His Son. He gives us so many things that, you know, I think He's probably good. He doesn't have to give us anymore, really. <laughs> but He continues to bless us and continues to, you know, pour things out on us. But I think sometimes we get so consumed with, you know, the the big picture, you know, like, oh, God didn't do this for me. He didn't do this for me. He didn't do this. But He did these huge things that we just forget, right? It's kind of like the um, Israelites when they were wandering the desert. Yeah. No. So we only have about two minutes left. Oh, so, uh, I didn't, I'm I just, sorry. I, I don't have an earbud, so I'm just... Yeah, you, I'm just passing that on. <laughs> willy, uh, willy. You know, my last nugget, obviously, was we started talking about it is, uh, you know, it's easy to praise God on the mountaintop. Yeah. Not so easy when you're in the valley. That's right. And uh, as, as I was listening to that, I believe God was speaking to me. He said, you know, there's a lot more people in need in the valley yeah. and there's a lot more people are going to hear you in the valley than they are on the mountaintop. That's right. And uh, it, we really are to bring glory and honor to God in all things that we do. That's our plan and his plan and purpose for us right. on this earth. And, you know, what we're going through today might be for the benefit of those tomorrow that God's going to bring across our path. Right. We lose sight of that sometimes. Yeah, we do. And I, I really pray that for, for you, for our congregation, uh, for myself even, that as we w kind of see this year come to a close very quickly, that we continue to stay focused on the things that he calls us to do, things that he calls us to believe, so that we are able to be able to have full understanding of his nature, full understanding of who he is, and we don't have to get tripped up by this these little monotonous things that keep coming at us. False identities. Yeah, yeah. exactly, Pastor Brian. Yeah. That's great. Well, well, I'm done. Is that time? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, it's I'm about pretty that sure we could, there, we could, book, we could uh, clock out early today. All right, let's clock out. We got go some, get some cake, cake waiting and, for uh, us yeah, in the foyer. There you go. All right. Well, we wish you all the best Sunday of your lives. Reminder that we will see you tomorrow. We're going to be praying for the nations tomorrow. Pastor tomorrow. Ryan. Yes. Right? Don't forget to light the passion oh. within you. Oh, hey, I always do forget that yes. <laughs> to say that. Don't forget to light the passion it's within you. Me now. We'll see you at 630 tomorrow at the lighthouse. And if you're a young adult, we are doing actually, can I do a plug for young adults? really quickly tomorrow we're going to go um to the downtown mission from six to eight and serve dinner and then we're going to go from eight to ten at maranatha to play sports wow. so i'll post information I, on I that i think i should be young how old are you pastor brian i'm a little, little older right. than you <laughs> and that's time all right have the best day of your life <laughs>